Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. And I invite you now to hear these words from Luke. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, he being Jesus. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was unable to stand up. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured not on the Sabbath day. But Jesus the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who's been bound up for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on this day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame and the entire crowd was rejoicing in the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. She had gotten used to never, never being spoken to, to people never stopping to greet her, to shuffling her feet slowly and keeping her eyes locked on the ground while the world around her moved. She was used to no one ever meeting her eyes. And that's how she made it through the world, secretly hoping no one would see her for the fear of experiencing the judgment and the shame that came with being seen. She's a regular at the synagogue. Everyone knows her. Everyone makes sure she has the things she needs. But no one ever really sees her. After 18 years of being hunched forward in a position making it difficult to look up, this is just her normal. She's used to being an outcast. She's used to looking at her feet. She's used to never being noticed or seen or heard. She's used to being of no value to anyone around her. She's used to making herself small and taking up little space. So used to being in the world in this way that she can't even remember life being anything else. This particular Sabbath day is different from most other Sabbath days, though. Like every other week, she was on the way to the synagogue for worship. But this week, the town seems partially alive. More so than normal, it kind of feels like she's walking through the town as Belle and everyone else is singing that song about her that's just really weird. (laughs) There's a special excitement. A Galilean preacher and prophet called Jesus of Nazareth is in town and people are really interested in him. He was going to be teaching at the synagogue this day and folks having heard about this Jesus character have showed up for that. The town is buzzing around him. 
This Jesus man who supposedly healed sick people countless times, who's calmed storms, who's broken bread with the lowest of them, who speaks of the coming of the Lord. People can't wait to see if it's true, to see if Jesus is really the spectacle he seems to be. If this Jesus is actually everything the stories say that he is, or is he just an imposter? For a moment, she gets caught up in the excitement of those around her. Maybe this Jesus guy is what they say. Maybe he could heal her. Maybe he would see her. Maybe he is the hope. And as quickly as that thought comes, I imagine it's gone. Her life has had too many disappointments already, and surely this one man wouldn't be that interested in her. Maybe she's not worth healing. She enters the synagogue and it continues to roar with the same excitement. She sees Jesus in the front of the room, surrounded by people who cannot wait to speak to him, who can't wait to receive their miracle. And she decides that's not where she belongs. She makes her way into a back corner, just slips into the back pew, hoping that she'll be out of anyone's way and they won't notice that maybe she too is looking for a miracle. Jesus begins to teach and the room falls silent and everyone waits to hear. What's he gonna say? What's he gonna do? He speaks and he teaches and then he just stops. And his attention turns to this woman hiding in the back trying not to be seen. In her hiding place where she thought no one would find her, Jesus sees her. She can't keep herself out of his sight and out of his mind. In this place where she came just to get a glimpse of him and to hear his words, he looks at her. Christ sees her and then he calls her forward. And I imagine she's thinking this is not going to be good. I'm about to be an example of something. No one likes it when the teacher calls on them. He bends over to look her in the eye, and it's the first time anyone has made an effort to look her in the face in who knows how long. Meeting her as she is, where she is, he says to her, Woman, you are set free. And then he lays his hands on her and makes her new. Where she has been bound up and ignored, Christ sets her free. She feels the power surge through her body, and without knowing what's happening, she stands up and she praises God. For joy that seemed impossible is possible, and what seemed hopeless is true. The entire crowd, which had failed to see her before, now sees her, and I think there's anger. Because this woman wasn't supposed to be seen, and she got a miracle. She got their miracle. The entire crowd is drawn to her attention, and many of them turn angry. Because it is the Sabbath day. It's a day that's meant for honoring the Lord. And in the Jewish tradition, that means that you don't work on that day. No labor is to be done. No healing is to happen. No law is to be broken. And yeah, Jesus has performed this great miracle, but he hasn't done it when he's supposed to. And more than that, he broke the law for a woman who doesn't really matter that much 
In the eyes of the synagogue leaders, Jesus is a teacher teaching breaking the law. And so Jesus turns to them and he says to them, you, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger? You all did that this morning, right? You led it away so that you might give it water. And ought not this woman, this daughter of Abraham, this child of God, who's been suffering for 18 long years, be set free today? Shouldn't that happen right now? Isn't that what the Sabbath day is for? Why wait another day? Why cause another day of suffering when you could do it right now? And the religious leaders are put to shame. I love this story because when I read it, I feel like I can see it play through my head. I feel like I'm watching a really good drama TV show, which I love. It seems so easy to read this story and get mad at the religious leaders. So easy to name them the fools, right? They're easy to make the bad guys. But the truth is, this synagogue leader's just doing his job. And I can sympathize with that, because sometimes when you're clergy and you're the head of this place of worship, you're just doing your job and telling people not to do things they're not supposed to do. And even if you're doing your job, that doesn't mean that you're right all the time. This guy is just trying to uphold the law, to honor God's will as he understands it, to keep this place in order. This leader isn't really the bad guy. And I think sometimes we rush to thinking he is. The truth is, he's following the rules of the Torah. According to Jewish law, Sabbath is a holy day where you shouldn't be healing or working. And not only has Jesus broken the law, he's broken the law in God's house. That's like extra sin. Probably not, but it feels that way. <laughs> he's trying to uphold the traditions of his faith. This is his synagogue. This is his town. And this Jesus guy has just wandered in and thrown the laws out the window. He's broken the rules. And he's doing whatever he wants to do, and he's healing people who don't matter. A hunched over poor woman doesn't matter. Heal the people in the front. Heal the people that are male and have deep pockets. And Jesus asks him, but didn't you, didn't you water your donkey this morning? Didn't you do the work of untying it and leading it to water so that it could have life? your donkey drunk this morning so that it might be sustained. This woman, this daughter of Abraham, needs water too. She's been trapped and bound up and thirsting, and surely she also deserves to be untied and set free and to drink on this day. If you can do it for a donkey, you should be willing to do it for this woman. The religious leader here isn't necessarily wrong. It's a holy day. The Sabbath day is a day that should be honored. And in some, some places, that's still a belief we have, right? The Jewish tradition still does this. It still upholds Sabbath in some, some cases more strictly than others. But even in the Christian tradition, we believe Sunday is a Sabbath day. 
And sometimes people still treat that in an extra special way. In my family, you woke up, you went to church, you wore pantyhose. <laughs> it was really terrible. <laughs> you went to church, you went to have dinner with your family, you prayed around the meal, you asked to be excused, you did the dishes, and you spent the rest of the day sitting on the front porch of a farmhouse because it's cooler out there than it is inside because for some reason they still don't have air conditioning even though it's 2000. <laughs> and you drink sweet tea and you enjoy each other. You don't work. And if you do, you're gonna make my grandmother really upset. <laughs> The Sabbath day, to some extent, is still a day that we honor. It's a day that is meant for upholding God's commandment. At least it's a day that's meant for, like, centering God, for resting our souls and finding ourselves close to God. The mistake this religious leader makes is he gets caught up in the formality, in the rules. He's got to cross his T's and dot his I's, and he's so busy keeping everything in order and everything as it needs to be just right he misses the miracle. He misses the joy. He misses the part where, yeah, Jesus broke the law, but Jesus also just untied and set someone free. This man so caught up in the rules, he misses the joy. Where he gets lost is in this push to follow the rules and do things he wants as he wants them done, rather than celebrate that somebody has been set free, that we serve a God of liberation who works outside of the bounds of normal human understanding to bring us all freedom. This man is so caught up in being the gatekeeper who hinders the healing that he misses out on the love and the grace that's offered. One of the things that I was reminded of as I read this story is I am a complete Broadway nerd. And it's kind of cliche, but Les Mis is one of my absolute favorite shows. It is my absolute favorite show. I cry every time I watch it. Um, when it came out, I was in college and there was a $2 theater not very far from me. And no joke, I saw it at least seven times in theaters. And I am one of those people who will die on the hill that that is a good movie. <laughs> because I cry every time I watch Anne Hathaway sing. <laughs> but what I love about it is it's this deep-seated theme of a man who's so rigid in his desire to serve God, and he's not wrong about it. He deeply wants to serve God, but he gets so caught up in the law that he misses the criminal who's serving God in amazing ways, a man who is endlessly merciful and graceful and just trying to do things he should do. It's this, this tie, of, this duel of grace against works, and that's what I love about it. This man who seems like the villain isn't wrong, but he gets to a point where he's so challenged he can't take it anymore, where he doesn't understand this God of love. And then we have a man who's broken a lot of laws constantly, doing things he probably shouldn't do, putting himself in places he probably shouldn't, committing crimes, all for the good of God. This story has that same dualism, this same complication of a man who wants to do good and is so stuck in doing good and following the law 
that nothing else matters, that the joy and the healing, none of it matters. And then we have Jesus, who's so stuck in seeing the people in front of him that ultimately they always matter more than the law. According to Jesus, in fact, there's no better day than to heal on the Sabbath. There's no better day for someone to be set free from chains that hold them. There's no better day for freedom from bondage. There's no better day to meet someone's eyes with the love of Christ for the first time. There's no better day to be cured of suffering, no better day to be freed from oppression. Yes, the Sabbath day is meant for rest, to sit with God, to honor God, to set aside busyness of the outside world and focus on God, to be in community. But the Sabbath day is also a day of deep miracles and healing. It's a day of seeing people who aren't seen, of curing people from the chains that hold them down, a day of liberation and freedom. And if we're just sitting around following the rules instead of doing the work of setting people free, are we really partaking in Sabbath? Something that I love, there's this quote, I believe, by Abraham Joshua Heschel, but I could be wrong, who's a wonderful rabbi who speaks about how Sabbath is a day of resistance. And that's because it's a day when we look at the world around us that's busy and wants us to focus on everything else, we say no and we focus on God. But it's also a day for doing resistance, for healing people who shouldn't be healed, for loving people who shouldn't be loved, for sitting at a table with people we shouldn't sit with. Sabbath inherently is a day of liberation and freedom. It's a day in which Christ chooses to meet us where we are and do the work of bringing us back to community with a community that has pretty much ignored us. It's a day of freeing people from things that weigh them down and prevent them from being able to be fully alive. As a people of God, we're invited into this work. I'm not saying any of you are gonna go lay hands on someone and cure them. I am saying that you can look someone in the eye and see them. That we can do the work of creating small miracles. That while upholding the rules is important, if we're upholding rules that don't allow people to be truly free, if we're upholding rules that don't liberate people, if we're upholding law that just oppresses and hurts and is asking people to suffer a little longer, we're not doing the work that Christ has called us to do. We're invited to be a people who choose joy, who choose to rejoice, to be a community that works not only to uphold tradition, because it has some good in it somewhere, but to also be a people that are ensuring we're never preventing a daughter or a son or a person, child of Abraham from meeting or experiencing Christ. That's the ultimate message of this passage. It's that Jesus sees this woman. He touches her. He meets her as she is. And he welcomes her into a community so that she can fully rejoice. Amen.